Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm a feminist, but I find it hard not to dance to blurred lines. I know, I know, but it's a very good beat. I know, I don't always dance to it, but I find it hard not to. I'm a feminist, but today someone alerted me to the fact that Barack Obama is following me on Twitter. And, yes, and, and I put on Facebook a screenshot of this and said, I can DM him now, I've checked, I can, I can DM him. (laughs) What question should I DM him? And a friend of mine came back and said, ask him what Michelle's upper arm regime is. (laughs) And I said, no, not because I'm a good feminist, because I thought, I'll never do it, what's the point? (laughs) It's just a waste of a question. Like, I'd do it once, then I'd be like, no, that was too hard. Um, I'm a feminist, but I saw The Greatest Showman last week, and 
the very, very inspiring character of the bearded lady was very inspiring. But I was just sitting there thinking, you could give it a trim? (laughs) It's an option? It's an option available to us. Yes. Yeah. No. I'm not saying shave it off. I'm just saying it's quite unwieldy. (laughs) Give it a trim. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'm a feminist, but I thought to myself, I'm going to find out when Obama's birthday is and then make a little video of me dressed as Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) Happy birthday, Mr. President. And DM him that video. And I thought, obviously, I would never do that because I'm a feminist. But then I thought, I should just have a little go at making the video just in case... So this afternoon, when I was meant to be sending back a serious work email about a feminist issue, I did make a 60-second video just to see if it was worth pursuing the idea. <laughs> Probably isn't, but it was very enjoyable. I thought you were going to show it to us now. Oh, no, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll put it out online. Will you put it online? Okay, good. Okay, yeah. Hashtag the power of music. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I feel the urge to flatten Sarah Huckabee Sanders and use her as my sanitary towel. (laughs) Wow. You've really gone there, Rachel. Have you seen her latest press conference? I mean, yes. No, she is a terrible, terrible person. When Michelle Wolfe compared her to Aunt Lydia, I thought it was awful, firstly, to the actress who played Aunt Lydia, that people were going, oh, you're being mean about her looks. I was like, well, how does that make that other woman feel? (laughs) Yeah, I thought Number one, thank you very much. But number two, I thought, well, it's clearly just, you know, she's a brunette. You know, she's not a sort of tiny, petite, blonde or a six-foot-four redhead. You know, she's sort of in that ilk. Yeah, and she's and a domineering, anti-feminist figure and who's, who should who's, be in fiction. Yes, who's ripping children away from their mothers. Like, it was a really good parallel, I thought. <laughs> Couldn't understand what anybody was upset about that. I'm a feminist, but today I went to a lunch at the BBC and I didn't eat very much because... I had that demure feeling come over me. Do you know what I mean? You're surrounded by other people in your industry and you want everyone to like you. So you don't sort of just... Don't help yourself to more quiche, do you? You just sort of go, oh, I'll just have a tiny piece of quiche and a little bit of salad and I won't eat it all because I've noticed the people around me have left something on their plate. So I left quite a lot on my plate and then got here and felt faint and sent Tom Selinski upstairs for an enormous sandwich, which I then ate in the privacy of my own dressing room, like a wolf. <laughs> Live from King's Place in London, the Spotted Lady Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Rachel Powers, and very special guest, Grace Peachy, Roxanne, Vicky Jones, and Tuppence Middleton, talking about the power of music! I 
That's a beautiful song. Thank you. Am I saying your name correctly? Yes, you are. Oh, great. Thank goodness. Uh, is it a miracle? Uh, brilliant. Yeah, three answer. teachers in my life. That's it. <laughs> I love that you look at me and see a teacher. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I very much see myself as someone of your own generation. So that's been a... All right. You don't need to laugh quite so loudly. That's, that deserved a medium-sized chuckle at best. So, Maya, you're a singer-songwriter. Yeah. Where can we hear the rest of your music? Um, on Facebook or SoundCloud. 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 And it's M-A-I-A. M-A-I-A. And on Facebook, it's Unofficial Maya. Unofficial Maya. Unofficial Maya. I tried to change it because it is also the name of a porn star. But... Yeah. <laughs> Don't look that one up. No. Well, no. Or do. Or do. <laughs> Whatever takes because... you fancy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And it's just as feminist to support sex workers. <laughs> However, if you would like to sing a songwriter... Maya Miller-Lewis, uh, Maya Miller-Lewis, said yeah. it correctly the first time, Maya Miller-Lewis, M-A-I-A, yeah. uh, go and see it. It's a beautiful song. Has it sprung from a well of feminism within you? Yeah, well, it was actually for um, International Women's Day, so it, I think it was in March, and um, it was actually inspired by my mum, the first line, like, they told you to be pretty, and it's about women that constantly were told, like, you'll be okay as long as you're pretty, and it's such a fallacy, mm. and it's so wrong. It's so true. I've been pretty all my life. <laughs> And it's still terribly difficult. <laughs> well, it was absolutely... Maya, it was Maya, Maya. It was absolutely fantastic to have you on. It was fantastic to have you on, and we will all download the song, will we not? Brilliant. And is there any way we can give you uh, some money for that song? You can if you want. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean just pass a hat around. I mean, is there a Patreon or...? No, no, no. You've got no Patreon or anything? Okay, so somebody set up a Patreon. Please, please. 
uh, for Maya Miller-Lewis because we will need to hear more of her music and soon she will be the official Maya Miller-Lewis. Maya, everybody! This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. And I am aware undermine them is getting more ridiculous every time I say it. <laughs> and I've got no power over it. I try not to do it. It happens. I'm, just, I'm not going to sweat it anymore. I'm not going to sweat it. Have you had a guilty week or a feminist week, Rachel? A guilty week. Oh, have you? I looked Tell me I more. checked that, didn't I? Like I yes. down, is it, it was answer? like you had to look in the diary. You went, hold on a minute. Uh, Monday. To, no, it's, yeah, it's only Monday. Guilty. <laughs> it's so early in the week to have been feminist yet. I mean, you haven't had a lot of time. You say Sunday, that's generally not your most feminist day unless you've been on a march. No, do you know what? Sorry, can I change my answer? Let me have Yes. That. Yes, I'm changing my answer. For those listening at home, I just checked my uh, piece of paper. So, actually, I've been doing some writing for TV this week, already, yesterday. Mm. I've been doing feminist writing, so I feel like I'm having quite a feminist week, actually. There you go. See, I watched... I I did proof my book, my Guilty Feminist book yesterday, but not before watching three episodes of Queer Eye. (laughs) With Straight Eye, Queer Eye. I mean, that's, that's all feminist, though, as far as I'm concerned. That's feminist. Yeah, it is in a way. It is in a way. I mean, I don't know what it's got to do with feminism, but it feels like it's, it's, it's generic empowerment yeah. for the human spirit. Yeah, no, no one asks us to prove that, but no. it feels feminist, doesn't it? It did feel feminist when I was watching it, yeah. Mm. They did a queer eye for a woman, because normally it used to be queer eye for the straight guy, and then homophobia has, thankfully, diminished in the ten years since they made the first series. I mean, it's great for humanity, but not great for a show called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. And which is more important? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> humanity or TV? We I mean, it's... Uh, uh, grey um, area. Yes, yeah, so they're being more imaginative and they're doing a lot of stuff with religion and sort of connecting with the deep south. So they're going to... They're basically... I thought series one was going to be Georgia, was going to be Atlanta. They and did then series Georgia, two, yeah. Yeah, well, I thought series two will obviously be, I don't know, Pittsburgh or something, I don't know. No, it's still Atlanta. It's like they can't leave. Have they got no travel budget at all? Well, I wonder if one of them's got one of those ankle bracelets and he's not allowed <laughs> to leave the state. I mean... Also, can we talk about the fact that Anthony, whose specialism is supposed to be food, mm. clearly has no idea how to cook. Oh, he's so cute, though. He's so, so hot. Cute. But he can only cook grilled cheese and guacamole. That's... I did see someone on Twitter after the very first episode of season one going, can we just discuss the fact that one man remodelled a whole house and another one mixed some avocado with some yoghurt? That's not even waiting. If they're being paid the same, he literally put avocado in a bowl and went, I'll put some yoghurt in that and a bit of ketchup. I mean, that's how I would make guacamole. I'm not sure that's how... That's the thing. You've got, like, Tan France. They'll spend, like, 25 minutes with Tan France picking, like, one shirt for Mm. someone to wear. And in that time, Bobby has remodelled and refitted an entire (laughs) condominium. It's extraordinary. It's true. It's true. And is it Caramo? Yeah, yeah. Caramo. Uh, Caramo will sort of stage a full-length musical about their life or make a movie trailer as a proposal or, you know, launch a stand-up comedy career for them. And again, hot one in the kitchen is like, so you take an avocado. 
And now I've peeled it for you. You haven't, have you? No, the production system's done it. Yeah. But I'm definitely going to mix it with my own beautiful hands. And you're all yeah. going to desire me sexually. Well, we do, so it's fine. There's Bobby just with a, a saw in the corner, <laughs> joining the wood. <laughs> okay, we're now going to talk about the power of music. So to start us off, I've got my ultimate feminist playlist. Um, so my first one is a little offbeat. It's not what you're thinking. It's from Hamilton, and it's the story of tonight. If you think of a choir of feminist singing, I may not live to see our glory, but I will gladly join the fight. And when our children tell our story, they'll tell the story of tonight. You could do anything. You could be a suffragette. You could throw a brick through a shop window. You could set fire to something. I'm not saying to do those things, but I'm saying you could. Collectively, we could kill some men if we needed to in the revolution. Not allowed. In the revolution. Don't do that. Don't do that. But I'm saying if there was an uprising revolution, a patriarchal revolution, we could raise a glass to freedom, something they can never take away, no matter what they tell you. Have you got one? Uh, Yeah, I've got one from The Greatest Showman, (laughs) which I saw last week. I was hoping you'd come in with a big winner because I've got they've w- not gone for mine and I thought Rachel's going to come in with an absolute well, no, winner. Look, you, you, you led the theme of obscure and unpopular so I thought okay. I'd, good. I thought I'd <laughs> keep in with that. Fair enough, fair um, enough. Yep. So having been slightly harsh to the bearded lady, actually the song This Is Me that she sings is incredible. It's like I am beaten, I am bruised, I am where I want to be, this is me. And it's all about being yourself no matter what. Um, <gasps> That's reminded me of one that I should have put on mine. Yes. I'm still here from Follies sometime. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm so going to perform that at a show. No one's going to want me to, and I don't care. (laughs) It's a show. I'm still here. I mean, that is an amazing song. But the one I've got here on my list is uh, Pretty, Pretty Please. If you ever, ever feel like you're nothing, you're fucking perfect. Like that song? It's pink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really okay. More people have gone for that. Okay, you do one. I have got anything by Pat Benatar. <laughs> Bloody love Pat Benatar. It's in the car this week. You know, when you get on, like, you have one song by uh, one artist, and you're like, now I want to listen to their entire output. And I was like, I mean, we belong. Love is a battlefield. They're absolute classics. I must say, I haven't absolutely studied every lyric in those songs but I feel feminist when I listen to them love is a battlefield it's great very good I've got he had it coming he had it coming he only had himself to blame if you'd have been there if you'd have seen it I bet you you would have done the same Uh, love that it's my ambition to perform that with Pussy Riot. Um, and I feel I could make that happen. I think you I could. Feel, I think I, you have the power now. Seriously, I feel like I could... If I invited them very nicely... I mean, you probably shouldn't invite Pussy Riot nicely. You should probably invite them with vigour. Um, but I've got one of... They, they won't respond to nice. They'll respond to... Um, the, one of their songs, Straight Out of Vagina, which I think is a good feminist anthem, Does Your Vagina Have a Brand? Oh, it's rhetorical, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Let your vagina start a band. Okay. If your vagina lands in prison... Oh, likely. <laughs> I mean, it did happen to them, so I think that's literal. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry, I shouldn't the, check. <laughs> then the world is going to listen. My vagina is tough and dangerous. Sorry, that's in the song. That's not me bragging. <laughs> Shaking up the major labels. Vagina going to take the stage. 
because vagina's got a lot to say. <laughs> Can I just check, sorry, is this the lyrics to one song? Because I thought you were listing their songs. <laughs> no! <laughs> and I was that's thinking... Sorry, the yeah, I was thinking they're a bit one note. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think Let Your Vagina Start Band was a song? And If Your Vagina Dance in Prison was yeah, a song? You were listing the names of songs. And I was thinking, I'd buy that. vagina focused. <laughs> Um, so now I'm going to play my next song, my next folk anthem, My Vagina is Tough and Dangerous. <laughs> I mean, they're called Pussy Riot. They might do it. Yeah. No, that's, just to be clear, that's all one song. Right, okay. that's all one well, song. Well, I'm disappointed. <laughs> all right, have you got a final song to close with? I have, and I've got to give credit. This is, uh, I couldn't think of great ones, and Jasmine backstage suggested this, and it's Raw by Katie Perry. Oh, oh yes. I don't know, there's something about that that makes me... Mm inexplicably put my fist in the air. Yes. Yes, I see that. I do mm. see that. Please welcome to the stage Deborah Francis White. <laughs> Now can you finish this one? <clears throat> As Frederick Engels argued in his classic work on the origin of the family, private property and the state, sexual inequality as we know it today did not exist before the advent of... It was, it's actually private property, but very close to some of you. <laughs> During early eras of human history, the sexual division of labour within the system of economic production was complementary as opposed to... Hmm? Hierarchical. Hierarchical. That was from the catchy number Women, Race and Class by Angela Davis. Um, now, some people are dismissive of feminist icons, sort of pop culture feminist icons. you Katy Perry, for example. You know, before when Rachel mentioned Katy Perry's Raw, you saw some people go, yeah, I like that. And other people go, she's not really a feminist, though, is she? Uh, Beyonce, oh, is she selling feminism? Taylor Swift, or is she packaging feminism? And some people think that sells out the idea of feminism. But I think that popular feminist icons have dragged the idea of power, justice, and consent for women into the bedrooms of some of the most disenfranchised young girls in the world. When I went to university in October of 1997, the pop offering on the radio, which was, by the way, the late 20th century's precursor to Spotify, included Barbie Girl by Aqua, which included the lyrics, you can brush my hair, undress me everywhere, I'm a blonde bimbo girl in a fantasy world, dress me up, make it tight, you're my dolly. That was the offering when I went to university. Also on the radio in the top 10, the week I went up to university was Mbop by Hanson, which features the lyrics Mbop, Ba-do-ba-dop. And also Spice Up Your Life uh, was on the radio by the Spice Girls, women who denounced feminism for its vapid vein vanilla cousin, Girl Power. Now, Girl Power was all that was on offer, and so we sucked up their scraps gratefully. It was delivered by Jerry Halliwell in a Union Jack mini dress, who declared that Margaret Thatcher was her feminist icon. 
Yeah, see, you look back now and you go, oh, the Spice Girls, they were feminist. No, she said out loud, Margaret Thatcher was her feminist icon. <laughs> and with her global platform, told an enthralled world that what women really, really want is a zigger zigger. <laughs> Which seems in hindsight like a wasted opportunity. You know, I ask you, when people criticise, you know, Beyonce and say, well, she's packaging feminism, you know, she's got this sort of feminist speech in the middle of a song, or she's making money out of feminism, I ask you, what else do you want these women who have an earned platform to do? They've built this platform themselves. Do you want them to deny feminism in favour of equalism or peopleism? Ugh. Or all genders matter? And go the Kelly Clarkson route. Kelly Clarkson said... No, I wouldn't say I'm a feminist. That's too strong. I think when people hear feminist, it's like, get out of my way, I don't need anyone. I love that I'm being taken care of and I have a man that's a leader. I hope you were wearing a red dress and a white hood when you said that. <laughs> I'm not a feminist in that sense. Or in any sense, Kelly Clarkson, let's be real. But here's the thing, as dismissive as people are about feminist popular culture icons, we have to understand that the young black woman in Newcastle who's being patronised and underestimated by white men and women alike, frustrated because she has no opportunities and outlets for her smarts and drive, doesn't play in your part of the internet where you've written your intersectional feminist blog, necessarily. And she will never be able to find your empowering words on the interplay between Time's Up and white feminism. So here's the thing. She might be if Beyonce is the first breadcrumb in the trail that leads her there. You may find Lady Gaga unnuanced, but she can be a gateway drug to Roxanne Gay. You don't have a pipeline into the bedroom of young disenfranchised women, but these icons do. Are they problematic? Of course they're problematic. I'm problematic. You're problematic. We're all fucking problematic. <laughs> Let she, who is not problematic, cast the first tweet. <laughs> it's going to be a t-shirt. Tearing down women for not being the right sort of feminist is not a feminist act. And as Harry Styles, that lesser-known feminist icon, pointed out, <laughs> just because teenage girls like something, it doesn't automatically make it invalid. That's the song the patriarchy sings, and it's a lot less catchy than single ladies. <laughs> so, look, this podcast, The Guilty Feminist, means that lots of young women write to me to say they didn't think they were entitled to call themselves feminists until they listened. And I'm not claiming to be the Beyonce of podcasting. That's Jessica Williams from Two Dope Queens, obviously. <laughs> but what I will say is if you're looking to Katy Perry and going, mm, when she is inspiring young women to do more than zigga zigar, when she is inspiring young women to get out into the schoolyard and roar and not be a Barbie girl, then I'm going to ask you, if that's all you've got, why you got to be so mean? <laughs> and I would say that if anyone tells you that the women who introduced you to feminism, no matter how sequined, contoured or money-driven they were, are not good enough... I'd take Tay-Tay's advice and shake it off. <laughs> Who run the world? Yeah!
way, it would be nice if we did this the other way around because yours is more uplifting and I'm the Grinch of the pop industry in a way in this section because I completely agree with you about not dragging women down and I hate snobbishness in music but I also think you're entitled to like what you like. Mm. The thing that I've struggled with, um, struggled with, what a struggle I have. Um, (laughs) The thing that sort of annoys me a bit, I suppose, um, with some of, especially like the pop industry, I suppose, is that I I do think they are feminist icons. And I love that. I love Tay-Tay. I love Riri. I love... We don't call her BB, do we? But um, Baby. I love Queen Bee. I love that. I love Katy Perry. I really do. I love their songs. They make me feel powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Puss Rye. Puss Rye. Puss Rye. Don't think and we can their, call them pop. And their album, The Vagina Mix. <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy it, that's all I'm saying. So, um, the thing is, I do love them. What I find difficult is that they do what they do dressed in bikinis so often Mm. and I'm not anti-sex I'm so all for like you know women harnessing Mm. sexual power I'm all for that body positivity sex positivity absolutely look at me I'm wearing sequins I think that women using sex as a power is something that should be celebrated but I do think that that is something actually fairly well trodden I don't think that's the most revolutionary of way that women have found mm. power I think that's actually um, women using sex to be powerful is something that men have actually understood quite well and I'm so interested if in the pop industry in the music industry what would happen if you took that element away if mm. you took, because because it can't be a coincidence that you look at all of uh, it, it is nearly always the women you look at um, Miley Cyrus on a you know naked hairless toned young I know she's saying it's a feminist act and Mm. you know certainly in some ways I'm sure it is but I'm like we're not really seeing men having to do that and I look at Little Mix Mm. whose songs I love and whose lyrics are powerful but when they started out you know when they were in the talent contest Mm. they're almost USP was look we're not going to do that they were in jeans they were in t-shirts they Mm. were just singing and dancing and then they went into the industry they lost weight, they toned up, they took their clothes off. And I'm all for taking your clothes off when you want to do it. But I, I worry about you the worry industry. You worry that it's, it's, it's being driven by some other yeah. power. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm worried that it's not like necessarily a completely free choice. That it's like, it can't be a coincidence that all the women are wearing a lot less clothes than the men are in the pop industry. It does seem to be a numbers game in that direction. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so... The ratio of naked women out does yeah. outweigh... It, it does, doesn't it? And yeah. the video... So it's sort of the pay gap in the other direction. And maybe women can afford fewer clothes. <laughs> maybe that is what it is. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> maybe that's what Pussy Riot will be doing the next album. <laughs> that Pussy Riot dressed in tracksuits and actually balaclavas. You can't claim that Pussy Riot's showing too much skin. They don't even show their faces no. most of the time. And their second-hand balaclavas as well. They can't afford them. There's this kind of trend as well, I think, for um, the... Uh, you know, the whole feminist kind of like the war on men that doesn't exist um that uh, music video that's all about kind of uh, feminism as a fight and they're talking about this is like you know fighting the war but i'm in a bikini so things like this could we play the mashup girls we run this mother yeah. this is my fight song ladies all across the world listen up we're looking for recruiters and kill you makes you stronger we'll run the world 
sums up the things that slightly grate on me in that industry. I hate to be, I am the Grinch of this no, podcast. I'm, I'm delighted, I'm delighted. This is like a debate now. <laughs> um, can we play the track? Thank you. <laughs> ladies, ladies, get in line. Give a salute if you're feeling fine. Get your privates on parade while I French kiss this hand grenade. Sit on a tank in a suggestive way. My bra is M.I.A. Grind on a cannon, enjoy yourselves. Most of our fans are under 12. <laughs> an army of women, an army of women. This khaki thong is just the beginning. We'll all get sexy PTSD and go witness atrocities. Hold the gun, lick the gun. Guns are hot. Together we'll stop them. Who is them? What's this for? Whose is this gun? Are we part of the problem? <laughs> an army of women, an army of women. Something about victory, blah, blah, winning. Fight the fight and buy my CD. War is definitely sexy. guest today, we have two guests in this panel, one of our guests is a folk singer-songwriter, a protest singer, if you will, uh, who has collaborated with comedians including Robin Ince, Josie Long, as well as recording her own studio albums of protest songs. Please welcome to the stage, Grace Petrie! There we are. Hello. Hello. And our other guest is an amazing hip-hop artist, and she also plays the lead role of Emmeline Pankhurst in our very own Guilty Feminist musical, Suffragette. And put your hands together for Roxanne! Hey! Hello, darling. Hello, hello. So hello. you both make your living in music, and you do too, Rachel. Yeah. You, you do comedy music, but also comedy. Um, but Grace, you are a protest singer, yeah? Uh, I'm a protest singer, yeah. Yes, sorry. It's become an albatross, that title. But, uh, Has it? A little bit, but um, it's one I definitely deserve. Yeah, no, I write, I write songs about politics. It's just that I find it a little bit of a... It's a bit of a divisive term, I think it can be. Mm. I think it makes people sort of switch off a little bit sometimes, maybe before they've had a chance to listen to what you've got to say. Because I kind of believe that politics is everything, and everything has politics in it. So I think that to say that you're... To say you only write protest music... It's like, it's not a real genre, do you know what I mean? It's mm. not, it doesn't describe anything about the music that I... But I am aware that literally all you're doing is my introduction and I'm like, no, fuck you, I'm not a press. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting. I know, like, being, uh, quite often being put in, like, a niche in a category mm. makes you go, oh, well, oh, well I'm, I'm, I'm more than, than that. that. <laughs> I'm not just I'm that. more than yeah. that, I'm yeah. less than that, sure. I'm near it, but I'm not on it. Yeah, I'll have uh, you know I sing sad lesbian songs as well as sad Tory songs. <laughs> Good. The whole so spectrum. So it's a sort yeah. of... Sad Spectrum of sad. Sad lesbian. Do you do sad lesbian hip hop rocks? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> vegan, not vegan is my main slogan. Yeah. Vegan, not vegan. Yeah. You've got to sell that to Pussy Ryan. No, honestly, I, I've been trying to join, but I'm too hip hop for them. You're too hip hop. I show too much face. Yeah, yeah. I'm not in the Bile yeah. Club. I scare people. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, Roxanne, you're a hip-hop artist. Am I correct in saying that? I don't, don't, let me not pigeonhole you, because yeah. I tried that with Grace and it didn't work out. No. Yeah, I don't Who really are say, you? What yeah. do you do? So I am Roxanne. I am a rapper. I don't really say what genre, because there's... Hip-hop is massive, especially over here. There's grime and other things. Mm. Dubstep. I just put on a beat, I'll rap to any beat. That's mm. what I do. And so how much do you feel... Say, for example, not that protest is all you do, but when you sing songs that have an element of political protest to them, how much do you feel like it, it is shifting the debate? Is it making people feel something differently? Is it inspiring other people to action? Can it shake things? Do you see what I mean? The only kind of power I think that I have is that it unites people music. That's what I believe. It unites people. And I think so much of the time... I mean, I started writing songs about politics when um, the government changed in 2010. I started writing a lot of stuff about anti-austerity and things like that. I've only ever put my music out myself. You know, I'm Mm. totally unsigned. But we live in this amazing age where you can do that. You can publish yourself and it can reach anyone all over the world, you know, within seconds. And I think that so much of what has been described for so long as the sort of political apathy of young people, I don't buy that at all. I think that actually a lot of it was huge amounts of disempowerment. Mm. And I think the, like, you know, the only thing that I think is... I mean, people often say, like, do you think a song can change the world? Like, no, but people can change the world and a song can change people. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think, like, it, it, sometimes, like, the only thing you need is to feel like you're not on your own. And I think especially, like, you know, a lot of the stuff that I sing about personally as well, about sort of being a gay person and being a sort of, like, butch lesbian, which you don't see a lot of in mainstream culture. Like, I think it might, if I have any sort of role, I think it's just to sort of make people out there who relate to what I'm saying feel a bit less on their own. Do you know what I mean? I totally agree. Mm. Um, I'm a tomboy, but I'm not in gay world, just to bring you guys in for a minute. Um, (laughs) You have, mostly, you have femme and you have... Butch, mm-hmm. aka Stud, and although I'm more of the masculine, I still, as you can see, makeup, hair, I'm like in the middle. So for me, with my music, there is no mainstream woman that represents me. Sure. You know, I don't mm-hmm. look at anyone and think, "Oh, I'm like you." Yeah, I'm like, no, I don't really mm-hmm. see anyone that's still gay, open about it, still quite masculine. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, still quite masculine. Wears boxes, wears bras. I'm kind of like, um, so that's what my music is about, kind of having a voice for people that are the misfits of the world. I totally. guess they call us a music, misfit music, they call us the misfits. Mm. And in doing that, in doing those things, like putting sort of just something different up for people to look at, I just saw the trailer for Hannah Gadsby's Nanette on Netflix, which is an amazing show if you haven't seen it live. Oh, You've got to watch it on Netflix, it comes out today. She says, I need to tell my story because what I wouldn't have given as a teenager to hear a story like mine. Just that representation. Like hip-hop, I love hip-hop. Especially in hip-hop. It's so hard. That's why, I guess, I've been signed. I was signed four years ago to a major record label, Polydor Universal. When my hair's wet or out, it's a big afro. So they met the Roxanne with the afro and they thought, oh, yeah, Scary Spice. Everyone does it. It's so lame, but that's what they do. Then as they got to know me and we were working together to put out an album... They were like, mm, don't have your plaits. Do you wear dresses? Do you wear skirts? And then I left the label before I let them put out the cheesiest, horriblest song ever about men, which is, was a lie. Yeah. Wow. I know they yeah. changed she, in my words, to he. They took <gasps> out the sh. Oh, yeah, no. it was really bad. It was so bad. That's why I didn't have to pay back the advance. Thanks. But, <laughs> yeah, they done that to me. That's what? what you do. They made you... You were singing she and they made you change oh, it to she, he. They changed it to he. No, they literally edited it, mixed That's it. So I'm like, she... And then it literally goes, he... 
And I was like, am I crazy? Oh, they did it did in I, the edit. They did it in the edit. I was like, am I crazy? Oh, oh they God. didn't even get your buy-in and no. say, look, it's going to be easier to sit. They didn't sit me down. Look. They just done it and said, this is what it needs to be. Yeah. Wow. And literally the best um, lawyer, that's Sarah Stenner, so almost, always a female. She had my back and she got me out of it. So that's why I've got a song called Masculine. You know, we kind of yeah. laughed about with it. That's what that's about. Can you do a bit of masculine just because okay. it seems um, like the right time? They say I'm too masculine, that I don't look like a girl when my plaits are in. It's a stone cold world, big backs are in, and everybody want to match with Kim. And I'm more like ASAP Rocky on a fashion thing. Silk shirt, let my little titties hang and swing. Couple gold chains on, just dangling. Couple charms on my jeans, just jangling. They be like, Rocks, you're too urban. Don't take pics smoking herbs with two girls in. Wear the afro, you look cuter with the curls in. Brands are only looking for a certain type of girl. So when you pull it out, work it like you're flirting type of girl. Download the hooks there. Yeah, sorry, thank you. Thank you. But, you know, I'm sure you can relate. You can relate. You know what I mean? And everyone else, kind of, yeah. No, seriously, yeah. Can I, I really want to crowdfund a mashup of that song with Rachel's writhing I think we canon should call it, number. What was it? Seriously? The vagina mixes. We should call it like, I don't know. If they're pussy power, what are we going to be? Yeah. Oh, Pussy Riot. Pussy Riot. Yeah, Pussy Riot. We'll yeah. be Pussy Power. We're Pussy Power. Yeah. Pussy Palace. <laughs> Sorted. Yeah. Yeah, I feel I want a more trans-inclusive name because I sometimes think, you know, if every song in your thing has vagina in it, it can be a bit Oh, what about Guilty Vagina? Guilty Feminist, Guilty Vagina. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the vagina oh, yeah, became yeah, yeah. a character in his own right there. Wow. Yeah. Come on. Is yeah, that yeah. vagina's got to be a They've good all got actor, their own characters. Really? The adventures oh. of guilty vagina. <laughs> yeah. Or have the genitals you have and <laughs> feel no shame. That's a longer, less catchy title. I'll give you that. We'll work we'll on it. We'll work on it. I'll give you that. So it's, it's hard in hip hop. Yeah. For, in general, really for women, yeah, but if you're exactly. not, if you don't conform to a type, it's, it sounds yeah. like it's impossible. What's hard and what's quite sad about hip hop is all women need a male cosign. If you think of all the women rappers or like, yeah, rappers, especially in hip hop, think of all the women that were big. <laughs> They've all had male, like Nicki Minaj was a part of a crew called Young Money. Little Kim was a part of Bad Boy. You know, they've all had the male cosign to say, yeah, she's amazing. And then we've, well, we've, the world have accepted her. There's never just been a woman that's just gone for it and been amazing mm. on her own, which is quite sad. How have things shifted since you've done Suffragettan? It's opened me up to um, a middle class. Um, <laughs> hello. Hi. Allow it's me it's to introduce you to my yeah, middle yeah, class sorry. friends, Roxanne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Roxanne from the hood, I'm joking. Fortnum and Mason Biscuit. Like, no, but what... Um, what Suffragette and done is just researching a lot about Emmeline Pankhurst. We have so many things in common. The suffragettes were about literally having a voice, hip-hop, mm -hmm. having a voice, rebelling against what society is telling you to do. And even the more we're researching about suffragettes, a lot of them said, nah, forget men, and just became gay or lived together. They just don't talk about it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah. yeah, I don't know, maybe they were bisexual and just sort of thought, this is a, you know... I, I, I feel very much that I could be bisexual if the opportunity I agree I just think you out. haven't met don't say you're not gay you just haven't met the right woman yeah. yet yeah yeah or or vagina. Not, but not bi or pansexual or, um, Grace how is it in folk is it is how it, is it because oh, it, folk, folk must be <laughs> folk must be easier for women than hip hop it must be is it not all women in with guitars I don't know I mean first of all before I strike myself off any further work in the UK um <laughs> <laughs> Give me a shout if you're a folk fan. Okay, I don't think you're real. 
because you don't sound like folk fans normally do. What noise would a folk noise? So folk is like, oh. <laughs> it's more of that. It's more of a groan. Um, uh, or a, well, actually. Um, uh, no, I mean, I love folk, but I'd say that folk is sort of like 20 years behind everything else politically I would say so like it's we have a funny experience like my partner is a folk singer as well and she's a very different kind of woman than I am she's a very feminine woman and the thing is in folk is that I've found that being sort of politically outspoken uh, as I am and also dressing the way that I do I realize that this is a, a podcast so I probably should give some sort of uh, audio description because otherwise it's not going to make a lot of sense Grace but... is wearing a chambre <laughs> shirt and jeans and is preparing a raspberry coulis <laughs> over a Hong Kong pavlova wow I was going to make a weird innuendo joke, but I don't feel like no, it's the right no, room. No, no, I just um, feel like that's the voiceover you'd get on MasterChef. Oh, okay. Oh, good. Okay. Her good. hair is um, short, but carefully styled. Oh, mm. bless you. A little I bit of this old thing. <laughs> um, no, I... Um, yeah, that pretty much adequately describes it. I'd also say, if you're sitting there at home, maybe conjure up uh, Justin Bieber in your head. That tends to sort of work um, for, for me. I've had a lot of pushback in the folk world. The audiences in folk across the board pretty much are white, middle-class people who are pretty much uh, 60 and over. Um, So even, like, that sounds like I'm being ageist, and I'm actually not. It's been funny to me because the world of English folk, you have kind of very outspoken political folk artists and some folk festivals and folk clubs who've got a really strong political tradition. And then you have the total other end who really sort of feel like... They want their female folk singers to be wearing pretty dresses and have lovely long hair. And I think there's a huge problem in folk between the men are seen as the instrumentalists, the players, and the women are seen as the singers. And there's some incredible uh, folk instrumentalists, amazing like musician, like music mm. players. I mean, the, the BBC Folk Awards, actually in uh, something like 17, 18 years of it running, there's only ever been two female Musician of the Year winners, wow. which is quite incredible, actually. Yeah. In many, many, many years there's no female nominees. Like, it's just four wow. men in the... In the no- yeah, it's like comedy. I would never have thought folk was like mm. comedy. No, it's like, it's a big problem I mean, in folk, I think. Worse. It's worse. It's worse, mm. worse than comedy. We never say that about comedy. Yeah. We, we say it all the time, Rach. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel? Because you are both a stand-up comedian and an actress, but also you are a musical comedy act. So you perform songs in your yes. one-hour show. How do you feel as a woman in that space? I feel that certainly doing musical comedy is treated like a novelty in the same way that being a woman has been. Mm. <laughs> On bills, so you're actually double Venn diagram. Like, oh, she thinks that she's a woman and a musical comedian. So you're like a ventriloquist, really. Yeah, now we can have seven men on the bill. <laughs> <laughs> she ticks two of the boxes. I think that one thing I've noticed is even though musical comedy for the last, say, five years of my touring life has comprised about a third of more or less or quarter of the time that I do on stage the rest of it is stand-up and in spite of that routinely in meetings and industry discussions and that I'm constantly described as a singer as a musician and for until this the only reason I've got sort of like finally a break onto panel shows is through the mass report where there's Mm. there isn't a piano in sight and that's the only way of convincing them and so many conversations have gone she can't come on mock the week because we don't want her to do a song (laughs) 
Yeah. And I'm like, you, no, have you uh, not? I talk as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting because when I started out doing one-hour stand-up shows, because I like to sort of walk around the audience and have space, I decided to have like a clip mic or a sort of Madonna mic, which lots of men in stand-up do. Michael McIntyre does that. Loads and loads of mainstream. But because I did that, and there was a joke in it about me wearing a bowler hat, so I used to come on in a bowler hat, and then the joke would sort of kick in 20 minutes in as to why I was wearing the hat. And honestly the amount of industry people who said well you're not really doing stand-up are you it's more like a one-woman show or it's more like cabaret because they'd seen the bowler hat and they'd gone welcome and bienvenue welcome in their heads i never sang that i never sang anything they were like it's kind of cabaret though isn't it because you're in a dress you're not in jeans you've not got a mic you've not got a mic it's not so So i thought right i'm gonna have to ditch the hat and get a mic, and then everyone saw me as a stand-up. Yeah. And a guy would not have that problem, because if he had a prop and a clip mic, no one would go, well, then not a stand-up. I mean, at the same time, Dave Gorman, well, before that, well before that, Dave Gorman was doing a PowerPoint fucking presentation. No one said, <laughs> he wasn't a stand-up. Yeah. No one said that. No one said it once. It doesn't take, in any of these industries, it takes so little to marginalise you. Mm. If it's anything, a visual clue, an audio clue, like how you're dressed, mm. how you talk. And all a woman needs, I think, is just one little tick to marginalise mm. you, whereas a man would need ten. Well, I think also, men are praised for diversity. So in stand-up, you're a man doing jokes... If you then break out of the norm, you're seen as, a, as some kind of visionary. So, you know, you're doing a show about the death of your father and now you're starting a genre of, you know, Edinburgh shows that have a 40-minute break where everyone cries. Um, <laughs> new genre, brilliant. You're a storyteller stand-up. Uh, you only do puns, brilliant. You're doing something else. You're a wordplay master, etc., and so forth. And men are praised for diversity, whereas women are asked to be homogenised to the extent where some of my jokes on my recent DVD, they shaved off the S and just made me say he. No, I'm joking, Roxanne, I'm joking. That really you is too. only... No, that really is too. only hip-hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't that put really the idea in their minds. No. No, literally. <laughs> no, that really is only hip-hop. They blurred my face and made my voice lower um, so that I sounded like a man and it wasn't clear that I wasn't one. I, I was going to say, that's awful. I called Barclays the other day. And I couldn't get into my account because the guy was telling me I'm not a late, I'm a woman. Wow. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> I can't lie, I do have hay fever, so I was a bit, <clears throat> bit deeper. But <laughs> how can you tell me? I've given you all my information. I've given you all the codes. I couldn't get into my bank account. What? Wow. I know. So literally I was stranded that's in King's so Cross. That's so binary, isn't how it? How awful was that? Yeah, I couldn't wow. transfer money. Um, I wondered as well, Grace, like doing protest songs. The, do you I've had think- enough of this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she says she's not a protester, but every time you say anything to her, she protests. I'm not a protest singer, and I've got a sign to prove it. (laughs) Do um, Do you think that people are more willing to hear protest from men than from a woman? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, well, uh, you know, a lot of the things that I get, the criticisms that I get are all around being, I get called too abrasive. That's the thing I get called a lot. So you might as well work in HR, really. (laughs) Yeah, you know. Because it's the same criticisms um, across the board, wherever you are as a woman. I can dream. Um, (laughs) But abrasive and too in your face one that's kind of a i mean again like in folk this is used i think as a bit of a fig leaf because i didn't come from folk folk wasn't my background i kind of came up doing a lot of punk shows really so i was much Mm. used to the sort of like dirty sticky black floor venues so you could start pussy right with me Uh, (laughs) guys is this a continuation of of your bisexual conversation i'm ready the four of us how about we start a new band but we're all called pussy spice 
pussy spice. And they can't fucking divide. They can't say you're this, you're this, you're this because yeah. we're just all pussy spice. Yeah. Or it just sounds a bit painful, pussy <laughs> spice. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Imagine those, like, those um, cinnamon videos where you put it on your tongue but with your pussy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not advocating it. I'm just. No, like, she's not recommending it. That's what's key here. An interesting idea. Um, Sorry, carry on. Sorry. <laughs> How can I follow it? You um, came up through punk. Yeah, I, I came up through punk, and so I swear in my songs, and I swear in between songs. Actually, when you asked me to come on to this tonight, you'll remember that I said, is swearing okay? Even though I do listen to it. And, and I said no, because we broadcast on Her Majesty's Internet. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and there's no swearing it's on so there. It's so funny, it's given me this real complex about swearing, because in the folk world... People kind of say this to me all the time. They say, oh, you know, it's just like, it's just such a disappointment that you were so sweary and you're so abrasive and so in your face. And I know now that I honestly think that these are just words that people kind of have found to comfortably say, like, you were a woman on stage wearing man's clothes. And I was really uncomfortable with that and I didn't know what to do about it. And so I've come up with a load of stuff that is bullshit, really, to, uh, for reasons why I don't like you. Because no one ever is really... Or, very rarely people are like, oh, I, I honestly thought you were shit, I didn't like your voice, I didn't like your songs. It's all around the way I present myself. It's oh, all these things about, I you were just too in your face, you were too spiky. categorise you. Yeah. yeah, I guess. So powerfully, mm. what's wonderful about being a woman in music? I mean, to go back a bit to why, the way I answer the question that you said about the power of music, for me, you know, the most amazing experiences that I've had in my whole career are the times that people kind of tell me about how they found a real connection in something that I'd written and it really empowered them and it really inspired them. You know, I had a, like an amazing experience a few years ago when a woman came up to me at a gig and um, I was selling CDs at the interval, which I do sometimes. Um, Are you uh, doing it here tonight, Chris? I, I will be doing it tonight, yes. yes. It's never See. an easy thing to work in when you've gone on about being no, really fucking left wing. No one but, noticed. Uh, no one noticed. Down no. with capitalism, but do buy the CD. Um, <laughs> That's not capitalism. That's supporting a local artist. That's the most left-wing thing you can do. (laughs) The most (laughs) left-wing thing. You'll you'll basically be a Nazi if you don't, I think. What I'm saying is redistribute your wealth in the direction of Grace Petrie. (laughs) But uh, this woman came up to me and she was nearly in tears. And uh, she said, "I, I just came up to tell you something. I saw you do a show with Robin Ince and Josie Long two years ago in Leeds. And I was in a really dark place at the time and I was really depressed and I bought your record and I listened to it all week on repeat and I was in a really, really low place. And, uh, and at the end of that week, I just admitted to myself that I'm gay and I split oh, up with my boyfriend. Oh my God. Wow. And, and it's like things like that that like really mm. keep me going on the really like wow. shitty days. And that is you know the power I mean? of music. I mean, I think it's... And, but I've had that, listen, you know what I mean? I've had I'm songs quite keen to, to listen way. to this CD now in case I'm gay and don't yeah. know. <laughs> so I've got my suspicions. Get, if you're in any way doubt, or even if you're not, get the CD, you might be gay. And at the end of the week, there might be an amazing revelation. It's, it is called The Gay Agenda. Um, like... <laughs> but, but, buy it for the teenage girls in your life. And really piss off you know, the whole Trump administration. Rachel, what's wonderful about being a woman who can command the stage with music as you can? I suppose the flip side of what I was talking about earlier Mm. was that I do think that if you walk onto a hostile stage, which happens sometimes, you know, when you're Mm. gigging around the country, you don't know what you're walking into... The music, sometimes, you've got sometimes an audience, I had a real killer one in Swansea the other day, where just like this row of front men who I walked on and they literally just crossed their arms and sat back and sort of went... Um, When you're walking onto that, the music, it bamboozles them. (laughs) 
it really confuses them. And people, I have seen a hostile audience suddenly start enjoying your comedy mm. in a way that they, even if they're a bit resistant to it, <laughs> the music's going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. does. Even if, like, I think, sometimes I think, if I start off doing stand-up, it shouldn't be this way, but it is. If I start off doing stand-up, they're like, oh, I don't think women should do stand-up or whatever. Or there's something about it they don't like. Women are funny, etc. Women are funny, etc. But even though you're doing comedy and music, the pure power of music, it hides your comedy and it sort of throws a blanket over their prejudice for enough time for you to make them laugh. And I find it personally like a really useful tool. It's hard to resist if you're feeling the music, isn't it? It's really, you know, you can say with your head, I don't like this, but the music lures you in. I once had a gig, it was way before the Guilty Feminist or I had any sort of, you know, consistent fan base or audience. Um, and I went to... <laughs> I went to uh, a night, it was a storytelling night, every one of the acts, five acts, all had to tell a story and then we would discuss the story in between was the format. And it was a really big house, it was sort of like this and packed out and just sometimes like, you all know this Rachel, the comedy gods will take you over or you all know this musically or I know that you've got comedy in your act. It just takes you over and you're just surfing, it's just amazing. And I was just having the best night and just I could, like everything I said, it was just, and once you've got into that space, it was just... I was having the best night. My story was brilliant. And then I had the banter and I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest night ever. And it was clear that I was going to be the star of the show. And then the next act said, my story is in song and got out a guitar. And I thought, you bitch. (laughs) And she played this song that was so beautiful and haunting and moving. And we were all weeping. And at the end of it, I said, well, the thing is, here's the thing, is I think comedy... It's a talent, but it's not music. There's something about music can do everything. It can just elevate. It can change how you feel in a moment. And I said, I was sort of in two minds at that point about having children. And I said, but uh, I thought I didn't want them. And then I saw your father watching you play that song. And I thought, oh, no, I do want children. And she said, how do you know my father's here? I said, well, he's the man in the audience looking at you like, I invented you. (laughs) And I thought, but then what if I don't give birth to Joni Mitchell? (laughs) It's a risk, isn't it? It's a risk. It's a risk. But I do think it's a superior talent. What's wonderful about music, Rox? I would have to agree with Grace. Music for me is, especially being gay and in the black community, it's really hard for people to come out. They find it really, really hard because of... It goes back, 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 especially in Jamaica and back to slavery. And, you know, the masters would make the the guys um, have sex and stuff. So for me, it's when people come up to me and say, or they message me and they say, I've just told my mom and I'm finding the confidence myself. And I met a girl who had some of my lyrics tattooed on her arm. And that was like, Mm. it's there for life. That was amazing. And she would just come up to me crying. And I was like, it's only me. Like, I'm still, I'm getting back on the tube with you to go home. You'll see me in five minutes. You know what I mean? And that is amazing. That that is everything to me because I'm very down to earth and stuff. And especially the Irish. I've got a white Irish Catholic mom as well. same. She hates me wearing my pride next to Jesus, but I believe Jesus. Just to me. be clear, um, if you're listening like at home, Roxanne has a tattoo of Jesus on her arm. She doesn't think she's next to Jesus. <laughs> she sounds like she hates wearing my pride. I think when I'm sitting next to Jesus, but the whole audience yeah, yeah, yeah. is going, we can't see him, Roxanne. Yeah, sorry. I have, I have a Jesus bracelet on next with a pride. Um, Oh, I thought that was a tattoo of Jesus. No, 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 that's a woman meditating on a lotus flower with her vagina out. I'm so sorry. She has her vagina out. No, it's okay. 
Yeah, sexist. Turns out I can see Jesus where he isn't. It's like seeing Jesus in toast, seeing him in a tattoo when it's actually a woman praying. Can I ask um, both of you a quick question? Um, who, um, I'll start with Roxette, like, yeah. did you have any, like, icons? Oh, my God, Grace Jones and Skin from Skunk and Nancy, oh, just for yeah, being so different. Them. They were, like, my idols growing up because they were so different. Yeah. Well, oh, you know I've now got a real hard on to hear you doing weak as I am. <laughs> I love that. Call me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, when you do your inevitable mashup, that I'm genuinely going to crowdfund You're the music in video yeah, yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah, Seriously, amazing. I know I'll produce it. I'll put the music video together because I think it'd be amazing. Rachel, who are your icons? Oh, I didn't ask that with any in mind. Um, <laughs> I think Victoria Wood. Oh, Victoria Wood actually. Yeah, she is. I, I, I love mean, her. Incredible. I love that she did music and sketch and stand-up and everything with such mm. warmth and generosity. And she you gets are the 21st best. century Victoria Wood, actually. Nah, fuck off, I'm not. Um, I'd, love, I'd, love to be, I'd love to be. And she, she That's her, exactly what she'd say, though. <laughs> and she gave her best parts to other people. Mm. She wrote her best parts for other people. I think that's an incredible thing to do. That is amazing. Very rare in comedy. I don't think I could do that. Uh, <laughs> How about, oh, I wrote a joke. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've written that punchline. I think you will not be. In fact, you won't be allowed to be here while I'm filming it. I'll be... <laughs> Filming that over, you know, you'd be over the shoulder. And Grace, what Grace. about you? Victoria Wood was a big part of my life, actually, a big part of... I was absolutely devastated when she died. Mm. And I guess musically, I didn't really have a lot of sort of butch icons, and that's one of the reasons why I really kind of want to... It sounds a bit arrogant to no, say no, be no, one, but... No, it doesn't. But, uh, you want to yeah. be one, of yeah, course. Yeah. yeah, I think it is quite important to me. Um, the song I'm going to sing deals with that a lot. But uh, musically, massively into Alanis Morissette. It was more about being oh, in love with her yes. than wanting to be her. But um, that album, uh, Jagged Little Pill, I yeah. had a lot of feelings about that when I was 11 and 12 you and have 13 and all the way up to 30. So. Did you have one hand in your pocket? <laughs> <laughs> For Alanis. And everything was just fine, fine, fine. <laughs> Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Please welcome to the stage, the wonderful Grace Petrie! Uh, thanks very much. Um, I ended up writing this song because a few months ago on Twitter, I started this conversation where I said, uh, what is the one thing you would tell your teenage self if you could go back and tell your teenage self one thing? Um, and I realised, we've talked about this a lot, but I realised that the only thing that I w really wish I could tell my 15-year-old self is that it's totally okay to dress like this. Uh, like, I really, I spent a lot of, oh, hey, thanks. I, um, I, the way uh, that I dress, the way that I present has always been quite innate to me. I've always been quite masculine, I've always been quite butch. Um, and it's always been something that, because of the total lack of butch icons that are in the mainstream media, it's always been something that I was really tremendously insecure about. And that stayed with me way beyond being a teenager. It stayed with me all the way up to last year. And then last year, something amazing happened to me, which is that I turned 30 and I stopped giving a fuck about anything. Uh, <laughs> 
everyone here hasn't turned 30, I can't recommend it enough. It, it's, it's really the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, so I wanted, I wanted to write a song that's basically a little letter to my 15-year-old self. Um, and, uh, and I also, I really wanted to offer my solidarity to my trans sisters at the moment who are experiencing a really tough time in the media. Uh, pretty much every weekend, there's a huge splash in a mainstream newspaper about how we should take away our trans siblings' rights and we should fear them and we should hate them. And I feel like as a gay person, that really upsets me so much because I feel like, you know, 30 years ago, they were saying these exact same things about us. Like 30 years ago, this year, Section 28 came in. Like, I feel like if you're seeing the same tactics being used against trans people, then where's your fucking solidarity, man? That's what I reckon. So I wrote a song about that as well. And I just don't know why they call me a protest singer. Um, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is called Black Tie, and it goes like this. It's a jungle out there The year 2018 I didn't think We'd still be sorting babies Into blue and pink And all our progress Well I wonder what it means When the only girls clothes that work for me Turn out to be boyfriend jeans Well that's fine Cause I decline A narrow set of rules That just don't work Cause these red lines to my year 11 self in her year 11 hell saying everything's gonna be alright no you won't grow out of it you will find the clothes that fit and the images that fracture we're a patriarchal structure and you never will surrender to that narrow view of gender and I swear there'll come a day when you won't worry what they say on the doors you will figure out what's yours and it's a bloody nightmare trying to fight the spread of bigotry and fear that's uniting Piers Morgan and Jermaine Greer and all our progress yeah I wonder who it's for when I dare to what other trans lives matter and all I got was a turf war Well that's fine Cause I decline Your narrow set of rules They just don't work Well these red lines They're not mine And if you need me You can find me ironing my shirt Oh I'm in black tie tonight Get a postcard to my in her year 11 hell Saying everything's gonna be alright No, you won't grow out of it You will find the clothes that fit And the images that fracture We're a patriarchal structure No, you never will surrender To that narrow view of gender And I swear there'll come a day When you won't worry what they say Nothing to do with fitting neatly in a box 
constructed to make it seem like people come in just two teams and anything that's in between ain't good enough and you will love and you'll be loved and you're in black tie tonight get a postcard to my year 11 self in a year 11 hell Darling, everything's gonna be alright No, you won't grow out of it You will find the clothes that fit And the image is the future We're a patriarchal structure No, you never will surrender To that narrow view of gender And there's folks you've yet to meet But you're exactly up their street And they've been waiting just as long To hear someone sing this song are on their way when it won't matter what they say on the labels on the doors you will figure out what's yours and girl you're gonna be so happy girl you're gonna be just fine girl you're gonna be so happy here we can't top that <laughs> so go and have a glass of wine see you in 10 minutes hello and welcome to the interval this is deborah i just wanted to let you know about a few things that were coming up if you're going to be at the latitude festival on friday the 13th at 1 p.m Suffragedon will be in the theatre tent. That'll be the 45-minute version, and I'll be there too in the show. I will also be at Latitude at the Faraway Forest Community Centre at 4.30pm on Friday for a reading of My Mum's a Twat, an amazing play, and afterwards I will be running a Q&A. So please come along to both of those. If you're not going to be at the Latitude Festival, but you can get to London, there is an anti-Trump march that day so please go along to that and support and there will be a guilty feminist group going along so just check out our twitter to find out where they'll be on the 6th of july there will be a 10,000 step walk through london for nurses and if you would like to march with the nurses as a show of solidarity go to the rcnfoundation.org.uk 10,000 steps is the average number of steps a nurse walks in one shift and it's to raise money for the rcn foundation and we really badly need that if you'd like to come and see me in a show i am in inside the comedian a brand new spoof interview show hosted by david reed and that is this coming thursday the 28th of june at the bill murray in islington 
and you can get tickets at angelcomedy.co.uk. They're only a fiver. Please come down. If you would like to come and see The Guilty Feminist, a lot of our upcoming shows are sold out, but there are some tickets left for Sunday 15th of July at the Open Air Theatre in Regent's Park. We were sold out in Edinburgh, but the venue has now released some more seats because they're making the venue bigger. So those dates are the 25th and the 26th of August at the Underbelly. And you can get those tickets at underbellyedinburgh.co.uk. We are coming to Newcastle on the 17th of September at the Northern Stage. And we're coming to the Liverpool Playhouse on the 20th of October. I've written a book called The Guilty Feminist. It has lots and lots of new stuff about guilty feminism and my take on feminism and some old favourites in print that people have asked me for. Please pre-order a copy. You can go to guiltyfeminist.com and click on the link under The Guilty Feminist book to pre-order it from Waterstones. There are also some events. I'll be interviewed by somebody. We'll do some I'm a Feminist Barts. I will sign your book. And you can come to an event at the launch on the 2nd of September at the Tabernacle in London, in Birmingham at the Glee Club on the 4th of September, in Liverpool on the 5th of September, and Manchester on the 7th of September, Leeds on the 8th, Glasgow on the 9th, Brighton on the 13th. And we might put some more dates in as well in places that people are requesting them. Tickets are 20 quid, but you get a hardback book included in that, which sort of makes the price of the event a fiver. And I will sign all books or body parts as you prefer. And finally, we are creating our own theatre space in Calais to put on events in conjunction with Help Refugees. If you can teach yoga or any other restorative skill like mindfulness, tai chi, anything like that, or if you can perform, if you have a band, if you can do comedy, storytelling, anything like that, please get in touch with us. And the email address is calais at guiltyfeminist.com. And Jonquil or Anna, who are running the events, will get back to you. We're hoping to have a full programme of events and classes. Some will be for refugees, some will be for the volunteers, but all of them will create a joyful, energised, exciting space in Calais where people want to be and draw profile and energy to that area. So please, 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 if you would like to get involved, email us. If you'd like to go and volunteer in the regular way, go to helprefugees.org. And please check out our Facebook and Twitter for a documentary, just just a 12-minute film that we made when some comedians and I went out to Calais and we also had a fundraiser in London so you can kind of get the idea of what it's like. All right, back to the show and the power of music. Please put your hands together and make general, enormous, guilty feminist woohooing noises for the wonderful Roxanne! Check. Hello everyone. Sister hurt, sister hold me down like my sister should. Telling the deepest secrets while I sit the mug. Crying out I'm sick of love. Laugh until we cry, got me crying till I'm stitching up. Bottles of rosé filling up the picture cup. Giving good advice while I give a hug. At least we got each other, come let's live it up. Reminiscing about the little stuff. Ashtray full of Siggy Bucks, now we're in the mirror looking. Who's got the biggest butt? Who's got the biggest crush? I know you like him cause I see you blush. You're my sister, you're still my sister. Even when you flip and cuss, picture us. Young girls becoming big women. Big city, big dreams, a big living. The G codes, the girl code, and yeah, we've been with it. Hands in the air if you live it. We call it sisterhood. Sister hold me down like my sister should. 
We gossip over coffee while I sip the mug. There's so much I could say, and I wish I could, but when you called my phone today, I just can't pick it up. Cause when you're living broke, water feels as thick as blood. And when you're with her, and you think that it's love, but all of these emotions got you female into wishing up. Cause when you're in your feelings, no one wants to listen up. My sisters, my sisters, I hold my sisters up. Birthdays and christenings, we keep on turning up. My sisters, my sisters, the only girls I trust. Hit you with a random text just to show you love, picture us. Young girls becoming big women, big city, big dreams of big living. The G codes, the girl code, and yeah, we've been with it. Hands in the air if you live it. Guys, do you live it? Whoa! Thank you, sisterhood. Now, whoa, to myself. Thank you. So, um, so I said to Roxanne before, are you tempted to do hip hop, Rachel? Yeah. Because <laughs> Roxanne taught me some hip-hop the other day. We went and did a suffragette workshop with a theatre, which was really amazing. And there was an exercise called protégé. I was made Roxanne's protégé in the workshop. And she said, OK, you're going to learn to do some hip-hop. And I said, I feel that might be cultural appropriation. And she said, it isn't, because you're my protégé and I'm forcing you. So I said, no, good. good. <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it. We did that one cool. with the... I, I, do you know what? I was for a second. No, you was. Yeah, it Your was amazing. Your pronunciation is amazing. I mean... It's the main thing. You can hear every word. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Rachel, I'm going to tell you this. When we did Suffragettan yeah. for the first time, and nobody knew really, I mean, I'd heard the songs and I thought they were amazing, but we didn't know how the audience were going to respond. They came out and the audience just got swept into it and they were just cheering so much. There were two standing ovations and it was just incredible. It is a musical for women of colour. And I said, oh, which amazing part am I going to be? Which suffragette? And they said, Deborah, you're going to be the men of the House of Commons. And the, the, appropriately, the whitest part in the show. But I was very honoured and I put on a top hat and a morning coat. And I went out and I did hip-hop. And uh, <laughs> that evening, there was drinks in a bar afterwards for everyone who'd been in the show. And there were some important people there from Channel 4 who were interested then in making a pilot with me, which they've since made. Please feel free to at Channel 4 if you would like to see that on the television. And... Uh, <laughs> And I was there chatting to the, one of the Channel 4 people going, God, I don't, bet you didn't think a couple of years ago you were doing hip-hop at the Palladium. And my friend Olivia Poulet, who's a brilliant actress and a performer herself, leaned in. She's a really good friend of mine. And she went, I don't think what you were doing, Deborah, was really hip-hop, was it? <laughs> she said, the others were doing hip-hop. What you were doing was speaking clearly. <laughs> And I said, thank you, Olivia. She said, no, no, no. You spoke very clearly and I heard every word. Yeah. And so we always joke in Suffragetta that Deborah comes in and does her speaking clearly. And you're still doing it now. Speaking clearly. I can hear everything you're you saying. You can hear every word. But I do secretly love a bit of hip-hop. And my anthem, because it's about performing, if I need to work myself up for a big show, is Eminem's Lose Yourself. Ooh. And I feel you've got one shot. Don't laugh, Rizzo Blaine. <laughs> You've got one shot. Can you imagine? You've just got one shot, you know, and you should lose yourself in the music, you know. Um, one shot sounds a bit like it's about HRT. <laughs> just well, a that's bit. ruined it forever now. Or has it improved it? <laughs> no. No. Uh, it hasn't. But no, I wanted a feminist version of this because uh, some of the lyrics, you know, and it is just very blokey, isn't it? Eminem's very blokey, and we know his full canon isn't a feminist masterwork. So. <laughs> Um, so, but I loved the idea of it, like to lose yourself and all of that. I loved the feeling of the song. So I gave Roxanne a short commission in the dressing room just before we came out and said, Rox, she's literally had five minutes to do this. I said, would you write me 
a feminist version of Lose Yourself by Eminem. And she said, do you know what? I will, and I'll teach it to the audience. Would you like yeah, to learn if it? if I'm in this, you have to be in this too. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. If I've got to lose myself, you've got to lose yourself. <laughs> sorry, okay. that's They're so, right. so, They're now, so on board. We bring back the wonderful Mark Hodge. <laughs> and Mark Hodge, we should say, is a feminist and an honorary woman yeah. uh, because he is one of the composers of Suffragetten. He's the only non-woman involved in Suffragetten apart from some of the other musicians, actually. But also, he's written the theme tune to The Guilty Feminist and the theme tune to Global Pillage and the theme tune to Grown Up Land with Omar Rose, the last one, and is a very brilliant, talented musician. So just a big round of applause for the power of music and power of hodge. I went... It's the first round of applause I've had where I haven't actually touched the piano yet. It's brilliant. I went to university with Mark Hodge, and in those days, he was at a sort of posh college at Oxford called Maudlin. It was spelt Magdalene and pronounced breakfast. Um... (laughs) And uh, he used to have what we would call Hodgstock, uh, which would mean that you would go to his room and he would get a keyboard out much like this and then would sing show tunes and you could join in. Um, I imagine that in his younger days, that's what Eminem did. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, shady stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, so are you ready? Okay, so everybody familiar with Eminem Lose Yourself? Yeah. Okay, so we're just doing the chorus. I promise, no lyrics. So... Wait a minute, because they need the words before we start bringing in beats and he gets all hip-hop on the piano. (laughs) So, it's going to go. You guys are going to say, so, lose yourself, lose yourself. What? Our version. you got to choose yourself in an industry that wants women to lose Lose themselves. themselves. Find your female power, improve yourself. Hey, sorry, is that too many syllables? No. How are you going? How are you hanging? She has added a syllable onto the beginning. Like, literally. Yeah, We're yeah, not yeah. prepared. So, use your female power, improve Prove yourself. yourself. It's our time now, no more losing Jesus. out. Oh. It's okay, it's okay. You didn't know, you didn't know, but you tried, so it's, it's, it's not what you know, it's, it's trying. Yeah, no, it's true. So You're all speaking very Mary. clearly. <laughs> From the top, you gotta choose Choose yourself yourself. in an industry that wants women to lose lose themselves. themselves. Find your female power, improve yourself. yourself. It's our time now, no more losing out. We need a line. We need a line. No need to get your boobies out. Yeah! Okay, so one more time before we bring in Mark on piano. Before Hodgstock yeah. begins in earnest. Yeah. So, and you're going to jump in as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? I'll jump and in. we're going to do two rounds, not now, but on the piano, okay? So that, that means we're going to repeat it. Yeah? Okay, okay. yeah. So, three, two, one. You got to choose yourself in an industry that wants women to lose themselves. Find that female power, improve yourself. Because it's our time now, no more losing, losing out. You don't need to get your boobies out. you got to choose yourself. yourself. And so on, yeah? Okay. All right. Okay, so... Are we ready? Should really we start up? I feel like maybe we should stand up if you can, if you want to, mm-hmm. just so we can... Because I, I need yeah. to... Do you know what helps when, to have a little... Because when... If you want to and you can, you can. Because Roxanne taught me it's all from the hips. She was like... <laughs> I, she said I had to be more like um, that. Sorry, one moment. Yeah. Carlos, please may we have some piano in the wedge. Yeah? Oh. That was right, yeah? So... I know, in the wedge. I thought wedges were shoes, but hey, I don't wear them. Go. Choose yourself in an industry that 
from a different angle now. We're going to come at it from a different angle about how we sort of integrated into her life and what it says about our relationships. Our next guests are two of the creators of the amazing play The One at Soho Theatre. Please put your hands together and make big guilty feminist noises for the wonderful Vicky Jones and Tuppence Middleton. Oh... Hello. Musical chair. Are you feeling quite hip hop? Did you participate in that? Yes. I was well into it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't really clap on time. <laughs> you, what, you can't clap and do hip hop at the same time? I can't do it all. No. Well, no. Well, women are expected to do it all now, and there's no reason why we should. <laughs> we don't have to do it all. Listen, you've got an amazing play on at the Soho Theatre. I saw it years ago, but this is a, now a different production. It's all updated and very 2018. It's called The One. And just to give you some landscape, Vicky Jones dramaturged and directed the original Fleabag, um, the play, uh, and script edited the television show of the wonderful Fleabag, which I think we can all agree was a sort of uh, female masterpiece in a landscape of you know, characters that where women were, much like Roxanne experienced in hip-hop, you know, sort of forced into a place. And Fleabag, I think we can all agree, would not go to any of those places she was told to go. That's an incredible piece of work. And you may know Tuppence Middleton, for War and Peace, um, an extraordinary piece of work, or any other number of wonderful performances that she's given. There's music in this play, and in some ways it was born out of an experience of yours as the writer, Vicky Jones, in a toxic relationship. How did music play into that? It was the only time that my then-boyfriend and I kind of got on, really, was when we got the karaoke machine out. And uh, he would sing things like the music of the night, and he would really try, and he'd do really well, and I'd be so sort of happy for him. I re- that was the first scene I wrote, was a scene when they were actually getting on, even though they kind of hated each other and were sort of destroying each other, and the play came from that. How was that playing that, Tuppence? Yeah, well, I, like Vicky, am a big karaoke fan, so um, I didn't have much trouble enjoying that scene. It's more the kind of really heart-wrenching, traumatic, tragic stuff that happens around the karaoke scene, which is much more difficult. But I think... Music has really helped me in that sense because I tend to make either a playlist or get a group of songs together when studying a character. And I've had a really weird mix of like really angry, early, screamy muse and then kind of really 50s twee kind of like shawaddy waddy. Like it's it's a really strange mix, but that's helped me through this character. Do you take the job home with you? If you're playing like quite an intense part like that, does it take over your life a little bit? Or are you able to just shed it at the end of the theatre day? This play in particular is quite emotionally exhausting. So I found that I've been taking it home quite a bit. But it's amazing because essentially it is about a toxic relationship, but it's also about 
every relationship in a sense. Mm -hmm. I think everyone will see it and recognize something in themselves, even if it's a very extreme version. Mm -hmm. And when I first read it, I really sort of fell in love with the character of Jo, even though she can be really brutal and kind of horrible sometimes. But she, what I love about her is that she always speaks her truth. She kind of says whatever's in her head. And I think sometimes I wish I could do that. I wish I could be kind of brutally honest for a day. I think I'd lose a lot of friends and family, but, um, <laughs> but it would be an interesting experience. And yeah, I, I really sort of related to that, that strength to be able yeah. to do that. In a way, I suppose playing a character like that is a way of trying that costume on. <laughs> totally. And then realising maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah, it is a feminist play in as much as it's sort of about exploring the darker side of a woman that we don't usually see. Like women are usually boxed into, we expect women to be nice, basically, or we expect women to be broken and sad, angry, but in a sort of passionate way, not in a cruel way. And actually, she gets to play out all of those things that you might see almost in a Richard III type character. But she's a woman on stage. And he too, I mean, they are brutal to each other. And I think it's a really amazing exploration of the way we can sometimes be in relationships we don't often see portrayed. We see men portrayed that way. We don't see women portrayed that way. Yeah, I think that was one of the reasons I wrote it was um, because Phoebe and I were sort of making stuff at the time. And she was uh, going for auditions for things where whatever the character was, even if there were moments when the character was sort of dark or mean or whatever there was always sort of an underlying reason for it maybe she was um, abused or maybe she just secretly wanted to be a mother or you know there's sort of <laughs> things that explained that behavior which we always felt like a bit of a cop-out and a bit boring you know that the character can be complex enough to have sort of no apparent reason why she was because she's human nihilistic. Because, yeah. or we don't yeah. know the reason yeah. why or we, we don't are... necessarily need to know the reason no, sometimes we're self-destructive or we are destructive of a relationship we love and we don't really know why we're doing it, but it's probably you know, something in our childhood or the fabric of our personalities or the particular connection and chemistry between the two people that's quite nuclear. And it's nice for me just to add, as an actress, because I'm now 31, most of the things that drop into my inbox are, oh, it's another young mum. So I've kind of like, my sex pot days are over. But actually, this in was In terms really, of casting, you In mean? terms of casting. Just to be clear. Yes, just to <laughs> be clear. <laughs> not, young um, mum not I've given birth again without realising. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, no, in terms of casting, it's something happens when you turn 30 or in your early 30s where suddenly Grace Petrie loves it. She recommends turning 30. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's really great. But still, largely, you get typecasters young mums or someone's wife and I'll tell you something Tuppence <laughs> I'm three years older than you and I can tell you last year my castings went from young mum to just mum oh no, no. <laughs> so you've got that to look forward to <laughs> a dark day a dark day yeah I but it was amazing because this was a part that kind of none of that stuff applied and I think also you know, up until you're sort of in your early 30s, maybe mid-30s, you get a lot of roles where there's a lot of sex and nudity required. And this play has a lot of sex in it and a lot of references to sex. And Do you have to writhe on a cannon? Um, well, come and see it and you're not far off. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's no, see no nudity. No, no, but yeah, the point is there is no nudity. And I, you know, I flicked through the script when I first got it and thought, well, that's my boobs out at least four times. And then the first day of rehearsals, both the director and Vicky immediately said there's no nudity in this play. And it was really amazing to see the difference when a play is written by a woman and it includes a lot of sex and, you know, the potential for nudity, but none of that was in there. And yet it's one of the most amazing 
pieces of work that I've ever read and observations on a relationship and on sex and it's really kind of erotic and suggestive and violent at times but it's it, hot is what she's saying definitely it's book a hot. ticket <laughs> book a ticket it's hot but in a sort of the dominance and submission tips and it's just you're not watching a Fifty Shades of Grey by any means but if you do have a secret love of anything in that area or an open love <laughs> doesn't have to be a secret it is in my case or at least it was until I said that Um, but it's a very hot play it's a very erotic play but in a really sort of because it's been written by a woman and it plays in a space with a very powerful woman and goes into spaces that we would like to go into our sometimes we get perhaps go into in our interior world Um, so I highly recommend it as a very intelligent and funny piece of theatre that leaves you a bit like at the end Mm. Thank you. <laughs> can can I um, ask you about War and Peace? Sorry to be boring. Yes. Um, the character that you played in that, did you feel like, <laughs> from a feminist point of view, I feel like in a way, even though she was a bit of a cow, but yes. also, did you feel like she was sort of a bit punished for like being sexual in a way? In the book or the adaptation? Oh, I haven't read the sort of book. <laughs> <laughs> On TV. I meant in the book. I want that question too, but I want yes. the question about no, the book. because this, this I don't watch television. I've read the book earlier on my phone. This audience will have read the book. So this pra- audience. Yes. Just yeah. give us a cheer if you've read War and Peace. Woo! Of course just, you have. Just give us a cheer if you've watched the show. Yeah. Okay. All right. Answer about the show. The then. show. Yeah. Um, well, I think what um, Andrew Davis tried to do with the adaptation was to be as loyal to the book as possible, but to still update it. And I think that he very much wanted to celebrate Helen and make her a woman who was strong and made the choice to um, yes, get married for kind of social reasons, but also to you know, have fun and not shy away from sleeping around Mm -hmm. and for that to be okay. And yes, maybe the end was always going to be the same because that's the ending in the book and maybe Tolstoy did, in a sense punish her um i felt really sorry for her yeah at the I, end like it i think felt she felt like a woman's burden fate. like oh you've yes you have to get married in those times and so but she wanted to keep on having fun i mean yes she was a cow but also not for those reasons um and then like oh you know the pregnancy all of that and then yeah and in the end i mean that i think that it's ambiguous in the book whether she overdosed accidentally on medication designed to give her an abortion or whether spoiler oh sorry (laughs) okay well you're gonna have to cut that out of the podcast (laughs) only on the guilty feminist would you have to do a spoiler alert for war and peace (laughs) (laughs) well some people might not have read it yet (laughs) the fact that they plan to (laughs) yeah they do plan to they do plan to yeah very good That was also a toxic relationship, which sort of ties us back into the one. (laughs) In the one, that basis of music playing into the sort of toxicity. Vicky, you were saying that that was sort of inspired by a relationship where you only had music in common, almost you only had karaoke in common. Do you sometimes feel when you leave a relationship, when you break up with a partner, that you lose some music in the... I don't mean literally they take your CDs, (laughs) because we don't have CDs anymore. We just have downloads. That's not an issue anymore. You don't have to sit there on the Kindle going, that's my book. Um, <laughs> but uh, do you feel like you, you know, sometimes evocative music yeah. gets ruined for you? Totally. I had to find my way back to Bob Dylan after a really 
yeah, really annoying <laughs> loss of uh, relationship where uh, I would never they, let the anyone only take loss Bob was Dylan. The, was no. the Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan's love. very much what I write to, <laughs> so nobody's getting the Bob Dylan. Tom Selinski, if you ever leave me, I keep Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I kept Bob in yeah. the end, but I think, it took a while, and that was hard. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I would take out an injunction saying he couldn't listen to Bob Dylan. <laughs> It would be for the duration of his life. It would be very, I'd be very clear about that. Because if I knew he was listening to Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, I'd think, no, that's how I feel about this. You've wasted my time. You've just wasted my precious time. Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. That's how I feel about you. I am now getting shelter from the storm. You're not getting anything, mate. I would feel that. Have you ever lost songs in a relationship, Rachel? Yeah, songs. Oh, genres sometimes. Um, That's I don't harsh. If, I don't if someone's it's... taken a genre, they've gone, what? I've got heavy... You, I'd say they you can have. have heavy metal and punk. They and, have. Certainly know, whole bands punk, have been ruined by... Like, I think... Whole bands me, I, have been I, I love... What band has been taken from you by, uh, well, by like, man? Like the Smiths? I didn't mind. Morrissey's <laughs> <laughs> taken a dark turn um, anyway. No, fuck that. I'm sure it's probably to do with my personality, but I do feel like when I'm in relationships, I often absorb the musical tastes of who I'm in a relationship, as well as adding them to my own, not, not having any of my own. If that relationship ends, I move on, and then it's very... It's not always tainted, because I don't always end relationships badly, but it is... I do associate it with that person yes. quite often. Can yeah. I quickly tell you, I had, when I was 21, I went out with someone only for about six months and we broke up and it was a really sad break and I didn't want to break up it's very complicated and he gave me a sort of <laughs> goodbye CD <laughs> so this was after we'd confirmed that we were breaking up he gave me this CD a mixtape at the end no yeah no. and it had on it very so, confused knowing that I wanted to get back together it had on it like by Anthony Johnson I think it is I can't let go I can't let go. Well, you are letting go, mate. I know. I've said I, I want to stay with you. Fuck and you. And it also had fucking... It had... Sorry. It had um, Johnny Cash's hurt on it. No. No. This audience has judged that lover. <laughs> and I want you... This is recorded. Thankfully, you can send him that noise yeah. and say, make that your ringtone forever. Because that's the scorn of 400 women on my behalf. <laughs> Not that I'm carrying anything. Love, Rachel. <laughs> I mean, I've moved on and I've forgotten. My yeah. life's great. <laughs> Definitely hasn't scarred me yeah. for life. You have to watch me on the MASH report, buddy. <laughs> I mean, if you lost country and western in a breakup, it would be damning, wouldn't it? Because you'd have nothing to listen as they walked out the door. Like, it, uh, do you see what I mean? Like, or if no. you lost, like, Beyonce, you'd have nothing to empower you. Oh. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. <laughs> There's nothing else. But actually, I think that's actually a good point. You must not listen to your feminist anthems with your partner. And I'd mean that. Whether your partner, no matter the gender of your partner, you must keep some feminist anthems just for the headphones. And you must not listen because when they leave, and they will, because relationships end. Look, come on, they're going to leave or die. Am I wrong? All right, or you'll die. But you can't take Beyonce to the grave, sadly. <laughs> it's just good, in case they do leave or die, to have a few songs. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on to Pat Benatar, that's my advice. <laughs> just keep them for yourself. If you play them in the house and you dance around in your underwear together yeah. to these songs, they're destroyed. And I think that's the message of the one, isn't it? Very much so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to go and see this play. It is... Uh, Bleak. Arousing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I love that you said bleak and arousing yeah. at the same time. 
I think, you know, it's a, unique, from bedfellows. It's, a, it's a unique play that can be bleak and arousing, but it's also funny and it's all of those things and you must go and see it. Is there anything that you would like to say about the play that you think people need to know? If you're not sure about the person you're dating <gasps> um, and you want it to come to a head, it might be a good thing to bring them to. If you're in a heterosexual relationship and you think it might be a lesbian, buy Grace Petrie's CD. <laughs> if you're straight but you don't want to be with your partner either, for sure you're straight, then come to see the one. Either way, by Friday, it'll be all over. <laughs> but it's good. Clean cut. You know where you are. You know where you are. They're only going to leave or die anyway. We've discussed that. Um, <laughs> this is not normally where the guilty feminist goes, as you know. But Tom, we've, same question to you. Um, I think that because this play was previously on three years ago, I think that lots of the issues and the kind of gender politics in the play were bubbling under at that point and I think they've very much come to the fore now so it feels like a really great time to be performing in something like this and for people to hear Vicky's words again because I think that we've allowed ourselves to accept this version of women or relationships a lot more easily now and I I think that it will hopefully reach a lot more people. Mm -hmm. Mm, I feel it definitely will. If you're interested in a sort of feminist exploration of relationships and toxic relationships then it's really really worth coming and seeing it and if you love karaoke or you loathe karaoke i still think you will love the one but i do think we should plan a guilty feminist trip to go and see it and we should book in a soho karaoke room afterwards because i think karaoke seriously i really suggest it because i think karaoke is a release for feminists or anyone who wants to take up more space and power i think karaoke is the most wonderful release it kind of lets you be loud and large and there aren't that many spaces where you can be socially it's socially acceptable to be loud and large and i would really recommend trying doing karaoke sober i know that sounds dangerous but (laughs) book out one of those rooms and go in the afternoon and feel it take up space because i think it will encourage you because otherwise you always associate it with booze And then Monday morning, when you want to walk into that meeting or you want to go in and get funding for something or you want to be on an all-male bill and take up space, take yourself back into that place. I think karaoke is a really useful tool. Get a karaoke machine at home and get the Chicago karaoke CD and sing. He had it coming. He had it coming. He only had himself to blame. If you'd have seen it. If you'd have been there, I tell you, you would have done the same. We don't know what the swish and kick and bled the dirt is. Lip shits. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> um. Vicky Jones and Tuppence Middleton, everybody. Just before we get onto the absolute closing, uh, quickly, where is the one on? Soho Theatre. And when? Um, 5th of July to the 25th of August. And we can book tickets at? Uh, SohoTheatre.com. Super. <laughs> Kelly, is that correct? SohoTheatre.com. Rachel Paris, where can we see you? Or follow you? Um, you can find me on Twitter, at Rachel Paris. Super. And you're touring? I'm touring at September until forever. <laughs> Okay. Tickets available at rachelparis.com. Roxanne? Sorry, my name is spelled R-O-Triple-X-A-N. I'm not the porn star, I'm the rapper. Yeah? <laughs> Everywhere. It's a common problem. Uh, Maya's, Maya's got the same problem. 
Uh, and Mark Hodge, everyone should see Suffragetten at the Roundhouse and Latitude Festival. You can see Suffragetten and Roxanne, you can see her there too. And Grace, just quickly plug your thing at the end before you begin singing. Uh, you can follow me at gracepetrie, uh, at gracepetrie on Twitter where I tweet about most things I'm doing. So who's got a charity of the week? Okay, what's your name? Sarah. Sarah, what's your charity of the week? Uh, Cambridge Rape Crisis. And could you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, I have the privilege to stand up here. Um, I've been involved with Cambridge Rape Crisis as a trustee for last five to six years. It's a helpline, email service, counselling service uh, run entirely by women for women um, who have experienced sexual violence. Um, and yeah, it's an amazing organisation. That's right. very, very important, especially as austerity uh, from the Conservative government is closing down rape shelters. Listen, if you've paid to come tonight, uh, there's no obligation, but if you have got anything on you uh, from £1 to £100, there'll be collection tins on both sides. We've left the tins at home, so there'll be collection pint glasses, but that's appropriate in Britain. And uh, if you could put something in on the way out. And if you are at home, this podcast is free, so if you could please donate to... So go to Cambridge Rape Crisis... Um dot org dot uk uh, to donate online or you can text crcc30 um, and then any pound sign from one to ten pounds to seven zero zero seven zero great so either text or give online it's a great cause thank you so much thank you So listen, you participated so well in Rock's Amazon that I felt a bit jealous. So what do you think about a sing-along, Taylor? Yeah! Yes! Um, A few years ago, um, before I was a musician, um, I had this horrible experience. I don't know if this has happened to any of you, um, but I had a job I didn't really like. Um, uh, I know. um, What are the chances? Um, I worked in this uh, tremendously trendy bar. Um, that was frequented by trendy people. I'm not a very trendy person, and the people who worked there didn't like me very much, and they made that very obvious. And I only worked there for three months, and then I sacked it off. But I learned an important lesson about conforming, which is that it's bullshit, and you should never do it. And if you're and if you're trying to be what you think other people want you to be, you'll never be happy. That's what I learned. I wrote a song about it. It's got a sing-along chorus uh, that is a bit sweary, a, a swear-along, if you will. Uh, how do you feel about a swear-along? Love it. Yeah. Cool. So I'm going to tell you what to do when you're supposed to come in. Um, it's called Inspector Morse, and it goes like this. Well, as I roll in late again, you roll your eyes to let me know that you're not surprised. And yes, I know I'll let you down again. You're not impressed I know I don't look too bothered But I'll try my best Cause I know That I'm not what you Want me to be The trouble is It doesn't bother me Another day Of keeping up This pretense Honey you don't Trouble is it doesn't bother me 
is now just before we do I Will Survive Maya and Rox and Grace and Rachel and Mark just have a bit of a jam um, yeah just you know just a bit of freestyling fun anyone got a song anyone else could join into I'm just making it up let's just play let's just be just be in a feminist space anyone can join in who wants to there's no obligation to join in but who wouldn't I'm going to <laughs> genuinely I have no interest in not joining in on this I want to be here Trousers and polar necks, poles and flex. Me and my bros are next with afros, cane rolls and specs. We wear gold on necks, yeah. I love our clothes are fresh, love a sesh because we the best. I got loads of energy, so I need loads of sex. Loads of enemies, yeah, you know they vex. Swag in my suit, all my cozy sweats. Bad little you, bad show respect. Oh. Mode in a sec, I stick to the G code and put love in effect. Uh, no drama, I'm coming for the sex. Ring the alarm, cause I'm coming for the sex. I don't know, I'm coming for your sex. I'll say it to your face, and I'll see on the text. Feminism is great. I'm not gonna look like you like. I'm not gonna look like you want me to. to rap. They call me DB. I'm not needy. I'm not needy. I'm not greedy. I'm not greedy. I'm 
Roxanne's just told me to say anything that rhymes. <laughs> two times. Okay. <laughs> we'll say it two times. Okay. Should we all say a line each? Yes. Okay. Say a line each. Okay. So we're on stage and I'm gay. Um, I, I might be another day. Hey. I've got something to say. Okay. Oh, I don't really know what to say. <laughs> that's, that's part Did of the Did England win the World Cup? No way. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. I heard we won 2-1. Heard we won 2-1. Deborah, it's your turn, go on. <laughs> we won two, one. Okay. I find feminism can be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Together the lights feel like the sun. <laughs> it doesn't make me want to run. Yeah. <laughs> can you believe we didn't pre-write this song? <laughs> available in, in shops, never. Um, <laughs> Alright, it's time for our final song, which is our, our sort of standard classic. Rachel, are you going to take the lead? I'll take the lead, but everyone join in. Yeah, of course we'll all join in. Okay. <laughs> First I was afraid, I was petrified, kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. But then I spent so many nights just thinking how you did me wrong And I grew strong And I learned how to get along And now you're back from outer space Aren't I just know to find you here with that sad look upon your face I should've changed change that stupid lock I should've made you change your key If I hadn't known for just one second
You have been listening to the Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest stars Rachel Paris, our very special guests, Grace Petrie, Roxanne, Vicky Jones, and Tuppence Middleton, and also Mayor Miller Lewis, and Roxanne, and Rachel Paris, and Grace Petrie. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp, music was by Mark Hodge, the producer was Tom Selinsky for the Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Zoe, Jacob, Sally, and everyone at King's Place, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. I'm just going to find Rachel an appropriate microphone. Is that one working? Yes. Great. Um, Don't cross the streams. So <laughs> it, <laughs> is it all right? Are we doing okay? Yeah. yeah. No, I'm talking to the sound guy. <laughs> though do you know what i love about the sisterhood is we're just doing a quick sound check because it's a podcast and women are going you are doing great <laughs> you hang in there um, um tippence when do you mind if i leap in hello there you've heard a lot about brexit on this podcast and the possible impact it will have on women and vulnerable people now, one of my very favourite straight white men, guilty feminist producer and my husband, Tom Zielinski, has co-written and directed a very funny satirical play about it. It's called Brexit and it stars Timothy Bentink, who you might know from The Archers, with Mike McShane, Hal Cruttenden, Pippa Evans and Joe Caulfield. Incredible comedy names and Edinburgh stars. I've seen a preview and it really is wonderful stuff, funny, biting and the cast is fantastic. You can get tickets now for the Edinburgh Fringe run in August by going to brexitplay.co.uk. And if you use the code GUILTFEMPOD, you can get £2 off your ticket. If you won't be in Edinburgh in August, but you are in London, you can get tickets now for the two London previews on the 27th and 28th of July. Once again, go to brexitplay.co.uk for tickets. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com 